Welcome to Oyana, a teenager's journey to self-love. Our mission is to inspire, educate and empower, helping teenagers and parents to navigate through life and connect with their inner self. I'm your host and transformational life coach, Carol Oakley, and thank you for tuning in. And um, as always, I'm always grateful for your time uh, and your support. So yeah, I really appreciate that. Now, today I have Jet Stubbs, who is from the Bahamas. Um, Now, Jet is a career coach, business coach, and host of Happy Career Formula with Jet Stubbs. Now, Jet is here to talk about career and business growth. She helps new entrepreneurs, seasoned professionals, and recent graduates take the next step, even if they don't know how. So without further ado, let's say hello to Jet. Hi, Jet. How are you doing? I'm great, Carol. Thank you so much for having me on Oyana. I'm really excited to be here and talk about all the things that I wish I knew when I was a youth and I was starting my career thinking about college or university and going on and trying to decide between a job and entrepreneurship. There were so many questions, so many things I didn't know. So I'm really excited to be here. Oh, fantastic. And how how are Bahamas these days? It's really warm. So I, uh-huh. I live between Bahamas and Toronto. So I just okay. came back here in December from in December. Yeah. At the end of December. So I went from snowy weather to nice warm weather and beaches, which is exactly what I wanted. Yeah. And I'm just waiting things out here. Oh. Now. So it, it's quite nice. <laughs> Amazing. Oh, I'd love to. I'd love to be on the beach somewhere, somewhere right now. But hey, I'll, I'll make do with where I am at the moment. The sun's shining. <laughs> <laughs> the sun is shining. So that's that's something, hey, something to be grateful for. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> <laughs> now, as always, I like just to let's just go with the flow and let's see where the conversation takes us. That sounds great. Yeah. <laughs> wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about, about yourself, um, Jet, you know, a bit about, about, about your background and your journey? Sure. So when I graduated from university, I was an international student and a first generation student. So my parents had saved up money so I could go to school in Canada because I was born and raised in the Bahamas. And they had never had the opportunity to go to university themselves. That's where the first generation piece came in. So I didn't understand how majors and minors worked. Going off to university, they basically told me, this is an experience that we've never had ourselves. We've never been to Canada. We've never went to university. We are giving you an opportunity that we didn't have access to. All we can do is give you the financial resources up into our limit. And then you have to figure it out from there, right? And take advantage of the opportunity. All they said is we give you the opportunity. You have to seize the opportunity. So when I graduated from university, um, it was in the middle of a recession. My parents had lost a lot of money because we were in the Bahamas as a tourism-based Um, country and we'd lost a lot of money through the business because of that and I was in this place where I needed to pay off tuition debt to be able to get a work permit if I wanted to gain work experience in Canada I basically had 90 days to find a job or leave the country after I graduated Mm -hmm. and because I was an international student with no family in the country I didn't have a lot of supports in place my dad basically called me and he said if you want to stay there I can give you $500 and then you have to figure out what you're going to do after that. So I I got to this point where after (laughs) I paid off my rent, I had like a hundred dollars in my bank account, like no family in the country, no connections. I had my few friends who I'd made from university and I had to figure out how to land a job or get an opportunity to get me out of this situation and to be able to pay off my tuition debt in time so that they would give me a letter so that I could apply for a work permit. So I felt really stuck. And I sent out over a hundred job applications and I got zero responses. And I was devastated because I felt like I did what I was supposed to do. You know, I did the hard work. I got the education. I seized the opportunities. I, I put in that effort. I got the degree and I also had work experience. Like I had done internships. I had volunteered when I was in Canada. I had done internships in the Bahamas every summer, but somehow it wasn't turning into the career growth. I was like, if I did this piece, if I put in the hard work, yes. why is nobody giving me a chance? Mm. Why aren't employers giving me a chance? Yeah. Um, so I was able to take that 0% response rate to over 100 job applications and turn it into a 70% response rate to 10 job applications. Wow. 
And the way I did that was a few things. One, I realized I had to stop um, basically asking for any job and sending out a generic application. I had to narrow down the types of problems I really wanted to solve. And then I start, I shifted the way I looked at resumes and even just job searching in general, instead of just looking for any job so somebody can pay me money, I said, these are the specific problems that I like solving. Mm. And here is a tailored resume that I stopped looking at a resume as a history of the tasks that I'd done in the past. And I looked at it as a history of solving problems. Oh, wow. This is how I've built out my skills to solve problems for an organization. And then when I applied to 10 jobs, I got seven interviews and I landed the job that I wanted in the city that I wanted at the company that I wanted. But more importantly, I had thought about what I wanted my life to look like. So for me, I was terrified of being stuck in a cold country with no family and no money to be able to um, afford to visit my family yeah. so that I even though I was there, maybe I spent five, six years without seeing my family. And then I would be like, what's the point? Like, why am I really here? So I was terrified of be feeling stuck, stuck in a dead end job, stuck trying to pay off tuition debt, stuck in a cycle of living paycheck to paycheck and not being happy with the way I was designing my life. So I, when I made a list of what I wanted my life to actually look like when I was thinking about the types of jobs that I wanted, then I made a list of the types of problems that I actually like solving. Mm. And I tried to connect those problems to see which ones would be highest income potential, but also give me the most flexibility. So I had more vacation time. I had more income. I'd be able to afford to live in the big expensive city that was much more diverse and much more welcoming for me. So I structured it in that way. And that's how I was able to get to that 70% response rate. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 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 <laughs> that is incredible. I mean, what a powerful thing to do, a powerful strategy I mean, not many people would have would have come up with something like that. How did you come to that realization to change, you know, to change your um, your, your your strategy? Because obviously, you said you you filled out completed a hundred application forms. You, you didn't. You got zero response, and then it was in that moment you were like, "Well, I've got there's something not quite right here." Please tell yeah. us what happened. What was that realization? Because <laughs> some people, I'm just saying, because some people, maybe even myself, I would have most probably continued on the same route. Oh, yeah, just keep going and keep going and keep going. But for you to actually stop and say, you know what, I'm doing something completely wrong here. Let me, let me change it to where I can solve a problem. Not people, not many people would ask that question how can I solve a problem and that is the I think that's the most powerful question here how can I solve a problem how can I how can I add value to the company that I I'm reaching out to Yes. And that's exactly what I teach now. I tell people we're often taught the wrong blueprint for success. We're taught that hard work plus education plus ex experience will equal financial success or professional success. Yeah. And instead, I teach the new way to for looking at success or the new blueprint is really find problems that you like solving that mm. people care about and that they're willing to pay for and then ask to be compensated what you want to be compensated in return. So an equal value exchange. And when you do that, I think you should, a lot of youth aren't taught that they should spend their university or their college and even their high school experiences looking for problems that they enjoy solving, looking for things that they're interested in. And instead they're told to just study different things, do well in school, get good grades in algebra and math and all of these different subjects, yeah. but they're not taught how to tie that to real world problems. And I think a large piece of that was my parents were very entrepreneurial because they didn't have the opportunity to go and continue um, on to post-secondary education. Yeah. And they both had barriers to completing high school. So my dad wasn't even able to go all the way up to grade 12. It wasn't offered on the island he was living on at the time. And my mom had to repeat because she had caregiving responsibilities for her younger siblings. Um, for them, they when they learned to make money, it was really by listening to the problems of people around them. And then listening and saying, how can I fill in this gap? Then how can I manage my money effectively and leverage it so that I can 
um, access more like wealth or more opportunities. And that lesson was really instilled in me. And so I said, what am I not listening to? Mm -hmm. Why am I just applying for jobs at random? And then how can I really structure this? So I'm selling myself and I understand, okay, this is the, where the company's at. This is where they want to go. This is the piece of that puzzle that I can help to solve, to help them get there. And then I can structure my resume in that way. So it's telling a story of how I help and doing that effectively. So that was the the shift that happened for me and how I went about doing that. But I had to go to so many um, like newcomer workshops and also I went to any workshop I could find. I didn't have um, I didn't have clothes to wear to interview. So everything I had to source from scratch, I was going to food banks, everything wow. was sourcing from scratch with what I could get for free and going to libraries and reading books, any resource I could find on how to write a resume. And then I noticed certain trends and themes about selling yourself and marketing yourself. And it was like all of the lessons that my parents had tried to instill in me just started okay. to sink in. And I shifted the way that I was selling myself because of that. Wow. Good, good for you, you know, good for you to take that initiative and have that drive to, to look for different options, you know, to change your, to change your outcome. You know, it's, it's, it's incredible. And for you to come to that realization yourself, because like you said, you, you know, your parents did instill it in, in you at a young age, but you just weren't getting it. <laughs> you didn't get yes. it. <laughs> you didn't get it or you just didn't appreciate it and, and I think as, as as children we do that I think that's a natural thing to do you know as your parents are telling you advice yeah yeah mom yes dad you know mm-hmm. I, yeah I don't want to take your advice I want to take my own advice um, and that's why sometimes it's sometimes good for our, our children to learn themselves in a way I guess because it's quite an empowering thing to do isn't it it is it definitely is and I think a lot of youth that I work with, they struggle when you tell them solve a problem. They're like, yeah, but how do I find that problem? How do I understand the concept of adding value to yeah. an organization? And those seem like such abstract terms. And I remember what that felt like. And then I remember my parents saying, well, when does somebody say, oh, I'm frustrated with, or when do they say, I wish there was, these are all people telling you problems that exist, but Mm. that, so that's one piece, actually listening and understanding what you should be listening for to find those problems um, or goals that people have that you can help them achieve because you can either be taking people away from something negative. Like when they go to a doctor's office and you're you go to a doctor's office, the doctor's taking you away from illness. But if you wanted to learn a guitar lesson, take guitar lessons, you're basically following a passion and going towards a goal. So usually you're either taking people away from that negative idea or taking them towards something positive. Um, So you could be helping a company survive and taking them uh, to a point where they're avoiding bankruptcy or avoiding customer complaints because you're offering excellent customer service or helping them grow their organization by offering marketing or networking or partnership building. <laughs> yeah. So you need to narrow down which one of those things that you're doing and understanding that more conceptually and continuing my learning really helped me um, in deepening my understanding of my parents' lessons. Fantastic, fantastic. So when you obviously changed your strategy and you applied to, to 10 jobs, just trying to um, have an idea of, of, your, um, of your path here. When you applied, yeah, applied for these 10 jobs, did you, before you applied, did you do your homework to find out which each, each of those co- um, companies were looking for, what problems that you could solve before you applied for them? So the way I found the problems was I looked through my, first I looked at my own skills and the the skills that I enjoyed using. So I went through all of the subjects that I had studied in university and I said, which classes did I like? Which classes did I dislike? Why did I like or dislike those things? What have I done in my work experience? So at that point I had done a lot of internships in corporate or offshore banking. Mm -hmm. um, And I knew I didn't like a corporate environment. Um, So I, I made this list of the pros and cons from my previous work experiences and my study experience. And then I took that pros list and I started typing in those keywords and then just adding the word job at the end of it. So I really liked the word, like I liked sociology, but then I liked particular areas of sociology. I liked community development. But then as I was going through this process of 
learning how to sell myself, I started talking with my peers and I realized so many of them were struggling with learning how to sell themselves too. And one of the things that I had realized during my studies and both through my like volunteer experiences, I liked teaching. I liked HR and training and development, but I didn't want to be in a corporate HR setting because I didn't like a corporate environment. So I then said, okay, well, if I don't like a corporate environment, where else can I use these these training and development skills? And I said, well, maybe I could use it in a university environment because my favorite place to be when I was in university was the International Student Center. I volunteered actively and had progressive volunteer experience within the International Student Center. So I said, well, maybe if I work in a university environment, maybe I'll like that. So I actually went to the International Student Center and spoke to my supervisor who was an employee there and asked her what it was like working at the university. And she told me about all of these benefits. She said the university typically gives you like three weeks vacation, plus often you get automatically get two weeks off for Christmas. So I was like, oh, so I can go and see my family for two weeks for Christmas. Mm. And then I still have three weeks vacation where I can go and explore the world without feeling guilty for not seeing my family that year. And I, and plus they would help to pay for continuing education. Mm -hmm. And so writing that list of that pros and cons from my, my, both my study experiences and my work experiences, Mm -hmm. and then adding keywords like job or job trends, I started to combine the different skills that I had in unique ways to find a career that I didn't even know existed prior to that. So I ended up working in a university environment in a field called experiential education that's Mm -hmm. bridging the gap between academic theory and the things you learn in the classroom and practical experience in industry. So it's actually training professors on how to design um, curriculum that's more engaging for youth that incorporates real partnerships with industry or internships and co-ops and things like that and teaching them how that worked. So that's the process that I use. I call it a job search rabbit hole because it's kind of like you're going, you don't know exactly where it's going to lead you. It's kind of like Alice in Wonderland where you are taking all of these keywords and it's building out this path, but it's a bit of a rabbit hole because you don't know where it may lead you, but typically it leads you in a much happier career path when you're combining all of your different and unique interests into one holistic career plan. Okay. And it sounds like it's a, it sounds like a lot of work, but it's 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 worth doing, isn't it? You know, it's really doing that soul searching. It's really worth doing the homework so you can get to a place where you, you know, you can apply to things um, which are which are of interest to you, and that you can add value to instead of going round and round in a circle, which is which is fantastic. Exactly. Because a lot of people, you can spend 40 hours a week, typically a lot more doing at your job, right? So you can spend 50 to 70% of your waking hours at work. So if you're doing, if you're working in an environment where you hate your job, where you're dreading the alarm clock, you're hating Mondays and waiting for Fridays, it it makes sense to take the time to do that initial groundwork and Mm -hmm. figure out what you like. So you're enjoying your day. So you have energy at the end of the week and you're looking forward to Monday morning. So it's absolutely worth the work. I find for most people, it will typically take anywhere from like one to two weeks to up to like three to four months to go down that rabbit hole, depending on how much time they're putting towards it. And also if they need to go out and ask people questions to clarify those different fields and like I did with asking my supervisor about university environments amazing amazing that's such such powerful advice wow um now you've had your fair share of challenges Jet. please share with us you know because I know obviously you had your challenge of actually um, moving to a country and obviously being on your own but you've had so much more haven't you um would you like to share with us sure so when I started working um at my very first job, which I was super excited to get because I had just finished that hurdle of like having 90 days to find a job or leave the country. I'd figured it out, got my work permit, started paying off my tuition debt. Um, My first supervisor was prejudiced. And although she was very happy to hire me, she made a buzzer noise anytime I said something that sounded like I was from a foreign country. And because I was from a foreign country, that's a lot of words. So she'd continuously make the buzzer noise, including if I was making like presentations on a public stage, Mm. Um, she would interrupt me, make a buzzer noise and say, you need to say this differently. She said she didn't want me to sound like I was coming from the poor parts of the country. 
And there, there were several other things that she was doing, but it's basically a very discriminatory environment. Um, and she, in her mind, she was helping me to represent myself better so that you could not tell that I wasn't Canadian. Okay. Yeah. So that was a very complicated situation that I had to work through because in her mind, she was helping me, but I, it, it was, it was a very toxic environment and it was very stressful during that same time. Um, I was still living in a country without any family. And at this point I had moved to a new city, a new, a bigger city now without any friends close by. So I was trying to make friends, um, during that same time, my mother was stabbed in a robbery and oh lived, thankfully. And I, I needed to fly back to be there as a support system for about two weeks, but then come back and deal with my supervisor and living in an apartment alone and not having any friends to communicate with. So I, I started to get like physically sick. I started um, stress vomiting, essentially. And I, I didn't I wanted to be able to support my family. I wanted to be in a healthier work environment. And then a few, so I ended up leaving that job, staying within that company, but leaving that job and going to a much more supportive environment, but just realizing I didn't want a nine to five anymore. I wanted something that suited my life situation where I was able to heal and have work-life balance and not feel like I was constantly being pushed or pressured to conform even with the way I was the way I was dressing or the way I was looking I was realizing there were a lot of areas where there was discrimination happening whether it was intentional or unintentional on their part Mm -hmm. Um, and I wanted to create a better situation for myself Basically, about three or four years later, after I'd switched into the other job, my dad was diagnosed with dementia. And my my brother, who was living about three hours away, three hour flight away from me in Canada, decided to move back to the Bahamas to help to support my dad. And about a year and a half after he moved, he called me and he said, things here are really bad. And basically he said he used his full name he said I and then he said his full name will not cannot handle the situation on my own and if I do I don't know where I'll be at mentally by the end of it Mm. and so he said I need you to come home I know you've offered but now I need you to come home and so within 60 days I'd quit my job packed up everything into a storage locker didn't even have time to really sell everything or give it away and um I was in I was back home and I had to figure out how to make money in a new way. And so then I realized I wanted to be an entrepreneur. So I needed to create more flexibility for myself. And I, I wanted, I didn't just want any job. I wanted something that aligned with who I was and more importantly, my situation. And so I, I started to make a list of what I wanted and also do research. I started to realize most of us want like a job freelance service or business that aligns with who we are. So we we're not hating Mondays and we're not dreading Fridays or watching the clock. We want some influence over our income and our benefits so we control control how much money we're making. So when emergency situations happen, or like in my case where I had to start covering medical expenses, you have the resources to start to do that and the flexibility to know how you can increase your income mm-hmm. as needed. And then I also wanted something that made a positive difference in the world. So I was excited to talk about it and share it because I didn't want to be creating any sort of harm through the work that I was doing. And I wanted better work-life balance. So I had a healthier situation for myself. Mm -hmm. So I took all of these lessons and what had already started happening was while I was working in that university environment during my lunch hours and in the evenings, people had started coming to me and they're saying, oh, you're 21. And oh, I forgot to mention in my first year, I had um, I had a significant promotion. So my supervisor went on sick leave. I took over her role. So I went from being an assistant in the department to like being the lead officer for the department and indirectly having a team of four people. And in this organization, in a lot of university environments, young staff are considered considered 25 to 30. So here I was 21, 22. And I had um, this leadership role where I was helping to create partnerships with the organization, training faculty who were often like two to three times my age on how to design their curriculum. And I was this little anomaly. Even when I went into HR, HR, the HR rep said, I've never seen this year come across my my desk. I've never, I haven't seen it come across my desk yet. You are about the age of my daughter. What I'm going to do is I'm going to advise you on how I would structure 
my finances and how I advise my daughter to structure my finances and take advantage of the benefits that this organization offers because how much do you know about this stuff? And I said, nothing. And she's like, I don't want to come across as patronizing to you, but would you be open to this feedback? And I said, absolutely, please treat me like you would your daughter and give me the guidance you would. I really genuinely appreciate it. And when I was going into working opportunities, most people were like, on the younger end were 25 to 30. So yes, I was giving all this supervision and mentorship to people who were substantially older than me. And that dynamic, it wasn't just the age. It was, I was, I was a female immigrant um, person of color in a predominantly like white male environment. Mm -hmm. And it created all of these tensions. So I remember one time I was in my office and somebody came in for a meeting with me as a partnership meeting. And he basically told me, there's no way you could be the right person for me to speak to. I need to speak to your supervisor. And I said, my supervisor is essentially like the vice president of this like massive campus. Like, do you, mm-hmm. you want me to pull on my supervisor for this? I, like, I'm the right person for you to speak to. I make the recommendations to my supervisor. I know more about this topic than my supervisor does. And he just said, there's no way. And I was so angry when he did that because then my supervisor had to come in and to her credit, she handled it amazingly well. Every single question he asked me, she would repeat to me. I was, oh, sorry. Every single question he asked her, he would repeat to me. And then I would ask the question, I would answer the question. Sorry, okay. I may have mixed up the, like the he and her, but every no, single question no. he asked her, she would repeat to me okay. and then I would answer. Um, and eventually after about five minutes of this, she was like, do you see the trend here? I don't know the answers to your questions. She is the right person to speak to. So I am going to leave and go back to my meetings right now. And you can have this conversation with her or basically you can't have it at all. Mm, good um, on her good on her right stand up. <laughs> yeah, stand up for you Brilliant. yes so I had that type of support not from my direct supervisor but from the people who took over when she went on a leave uh-huh. Uh-huh. and I, but I I realized even though I was getting all of these um, these promotion opportunities and basically they got to a point where they said, your job description is changing so rapidly. We don't actually want to restructure your job until it stabilizes. So we're just going to pay you in bonuses. And they just gave me a couple thousand in bonuses every, every other month to top up my salary. Um, so mm-hmm. I had this rapid like growth opportunity and salary increase opportunity, but because it was a toxic environment and it wasn't aligned with who I was, I realized money isn't just the goal. Like once you have money, you actually want to be able to fund the life and the lifestyle that you wanted. So now when I had moved back to the Bahamas and I was trying to support my dad and I was dealing with these situations. First, I didn't want to just apply for jobs because I didn't know how to talk about my life situation. How do I talk about like why I'm feeling anxiety? Do I talk about, do I go into an interview and talk about my issues about my dad having dementia or my mom having mental health issues and me trying to juggle all of these things? No, that's not why I'm there. I'm supposed to be talking about their problems. So how do I then create a career that works for me? So I took the fact that I was supporting people during my lunch hours and after work in their career development. And while I was working at the university, I'd actually helped people get $20,000 salary increases. And some I had helped a few people double their salary. And they had off, started offering to give me gift cards because I wasn't comfortable. I was like, oh, I'm helping a friend or I'm helping a friend of a friend or I'm helping a friend of yeah. a friend of a friend. So mm-hmm. why you shouldn't give me money? And But some people insisted because I helped them make more money. Okay. So they, from there they wanted to um they wanted to give me money but I only accepted gift cards but when I was in the Bahamas I realized I didn't need gift cards I actually needed cash Mm -hmm. and I started accepting cash because I realized I'm actually helping these people make more money I am adding value to their lives I am solving a problem and really the amount of money that I'm asking for in return is a small percentage of what they will get back in return after working with me so since then I've helped people earn like $20,000 
$25,000 more after I revise their resume within like 10 days, they get a new interview for $25,000 more, or they've moved countries. So I've had people move from like New Zealand to Toronto to the, to Ireland and the UK. And then they, they've used the same principles and landed amazing opportunities with social media giants or big five, big four consulting firms, Mm -hmm. because they are taking these lessons because the principles for selling yourself are true, no matter where you are. Brilliant. Wow, I've got lots of questions to ask you based (laughs) on what you've just told me. Sorry, I unloaded (laughs) on you right there. (laughs) Oh la la, where do I start? Wow, God, because I like to give, I love love to give um, our listeners some tips and some advice. Mm -hmm. So I guess the first question is, um, your experience with um, discrimination at work, is there any advice you can give our listeners who might be in in that position right now? What can you what can you say to them? Um, when you're looking for opportunities, an interview is really a two way street. So once you learn how to sell yourself effectively, employers will start to want to look for you, and you can ask questions about people's supervisory style, about the way they manage people, and some. There are questions that you can use to start to filter out toxic work environments because. Um, it can be, once you've experienced it, it can be very scary, the idea of going into another environment and thinking the grass could potentially be greener, but you're just going to experience the same thing over and over again. The second thing that I would recommend about that situation is when you are an employee, an organization is hiring you, but Think about it as there was somebody who started this organization that had this idea of what that organization would look like. It's their baby. It's this vision that they have. They found this problem that people needed solved. And the more and more they talked about it, basically they found more and more people to help, which are the clients. And then that organization grew to help more and more people and needed more and more staff to support that. But it's still this initial vision or this this baby that's under this one individual, the CEO. So the CEO has an idea of how they want their clients to be treated, but also how they want their staff to act. And that's where you get ideas of culture fit, Uh. right? And culture fit can also mean exclusionary practices. Okay. Right. So you, what you can, as you start to shift to understand how to sell yourself. So I always describe working at a job as having one client, your employer. And when you're working with a business or you start your own business, you're essentially shifting to have more than one client. So you can do the same thing. For example, I did career coaching, career development in a university setting where I had one client, my employer, which was the university. But then I shifted now to have multiple clients that are now spread across multiple countries, which provides me benefits where if I lose one client, I don't lose all of my income, right? Mm -hmm. I also have the benefit of um, being able to work across diverse industries. So there's more diversity in my work. So when, but when I do that, I get to own more of my story because individuals are attracted to other human beings who have full stories. So the more you switch into a more entrepreneurial career path with freelancing and starting your own business, you get to own more of your story and choose the clients that you interact with. So if you are experiencing constant toxicity in your work environments, maybe it's time to take a step back and say, okay, can I attract my tribe? Can I attract my community and build out skills that will help me start a business or be more entrepreneurial? So I enjoy my working environment. Brilliant. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's that's such um, sound advice. And I, my next question, dementia, you know, how did you deal with dementia? It's, again, if there's anyone out there who are, you know, are caring for their loved ones, how can they navigate that? So there are two pieces. So my mom had mental health issues growing up and then my dad had dementia. So my parents had me in their 40s. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I did have like older parents. It... I was very fortunate that I wasn't dealing with it alone. I do have yeah. siblings okay. and that is a huge factor. So I think communication and honesty with talking with your siblings, if you are fortunate enough to have them yeah. um, to, to juggle both the workload, but 
my my younger brother and I always talk about the fact that we are each other's best friends, even if we don't talk for a while, because we know what the other one has been through. We are the only ones who have experienced what we have experienced together. Yes. And there was a time where we were actually quite distant and weren't talking to each other as much. And then we reconnected and apologized for that distance. So I think if, if you do have siblings using that support system and being very honest and transparent, and that incorporates like building your own emotional intelligence so that you can be a better sibling so that you can understand, okay, these are the, it it takes a lot to support somebody who is losing their memory and may forget my, at one point, my dad just couldn't say, say my name. I knew he recognized my voice Mm-hmm. because he responded differently to it. So yeah. when I said daddy, he responded differently and he knew it was me. Okay. Um, but that journey of watching your parent deteriorate can be difficult. There's also a lot of education that you can do for yourself to educate. How can you um, slow down the deterioration and get them like eating healthy, exercising, um, take, there's some supplements you can take to help slow down that, process. Mm -hmm. So I think there's creating a social support system and that network, whether that's siblings or friends, Mm -hmm. and then also educating yourself about the disease so that you know what to expect. Mm -hmm. And you have maybe a support system of other people who have dealt with that. So I I made older friends who are 10 to 20 years older than me than me who are also dealing with their parents who have dementia and they've, Mm -hmm. they were part of my support system as well. Brilliant, 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 brilliant. So just going back to, um, you know, um, sort of your career and your business uh, path, because you're now a coach for both career and and business. So obviously you went to the, going back to the Bahamas to look after your your parents, that was your kind of your light bulb moment. You thought, you know what, I want to do my own thing here. Um, How did you start your business just in case there are anybody out there who are interested in because now I mean the landscape has changed tremendously when it comes to working isn't it I mean everyone Mm -hmm. wants to be an entrepreneur everyone wants to do their own business what advice can you give give our listeners who are thinking about setting up on their own I think the first thing that you need to do when you are starting on a business is first figure out why you are starting this business. And there's two components to that, why you were doing this for yourself and then why you're doing this for other people. It's very similar to what I said with the job piece. You need to know the lifestyle that you want to build for yourself because so many people will get into entrepreneurship and they'll get into this place where they're not doing any self-care activities. They are not eating properly. They're working like 14, 15 hours a day, but they're not actually focusing on the activities that create growth for their business. So That is one piece, like actually being very mindful about the the lifestyle that you want to create for yourself. The second piece is knowing why people should pay you. So many people say they want to be entrepreneurs, but they'll have this really vague idea. So there are five stages that you can go through with entrepreneurship growth and the five stages apply to job or career growth as well. But the first one is you'll have no idea what you want to do. You just know you need to make money and you know you need a plan fairly quickly. So that's the no idea phase. The second phase is the idea phase. So you may have this general idea of what you want to do. Like you want to work in marketing, but you're not sure how to like how you can make money in marketing. Are you going to have a job or you're going to have a freelance service or you're going to have a business? You're not sure how that's going to happen. The third stage is when you have a concrete offer. So you can say, this is exactly what people will pay me for. This is how it's going to take them from point A of I have a problem to point B. Their problem is solved. Their goal is achieved. And I'm not trying to solve every single problem that they have in their life. Mm -hmm. I narrowed it down into phases. This is what I can offer right now to Mm -hmm. start making money right now. And then later on, I can phase it out into incorporating more and more of these potential, like more and more of the things that I want to do, the features I want to offer, things like that. And then once you've got that concrete offer and you should really build that offer by talking to people, that's one of the huge mistakes that people make. They think, oh, this idea, this business idea needs to come from my head. I need to think about this and sit in my room and dwell on it. And that's not what should be happening. You should be going out there and listening to potential clients. What are they struggling with? How would they like this idea to be solved? So you need to be able to answer, who do you want to help? 
Where are they now? Where do they want to go? If they could like wave a magic wand and solve that problem and ha- like just have a magic solution, like a genie, how would they solve that problem? What yeah. skills do you have now to solve a piece of that problem? Because you probably won't be able to solve it all in the beginning and that can intimidate you, but it's absolutely okay if you can just solve a piece of that. And then why should they pay you? So what is the value that you're adding? What is the improved life that they'll experience? after you've offered this product or service? And then why should they do it now instead of later? Once you've got those questions answered, you can move on to the phase of finding your first clients. Mm -hmm. And when you're finding your first clients, initially you wanna have one-on-one conversations to make sure that your product actually works. And you wanna listen to what those clients are saying about why they're interested or not interested in that product. And that will give you objections that people have to working with you that you can start to figure out how to answer or address. Mm-hmm. Once you've spoken to a few clients, then take that lesson and get on to podcasts or get into larger in front of larger audiences where you're speaking to groups of people who have the problem that you want to solve. And that is how you'll start to grow and scale your business. And then once you've served a group of people, then you'll start to implement systems to help you serve those people more effectively, even when you're not there. So that is the growth process that you'll take um, from no idea to becoming an entrepreneur. But you're not going to know everything along the way. And it's absolutely okay. That is how it works. The overwhelm, that internal conflict is part of the process. All you need to do is to keep on taking steps, keep on taking baby steps and focusing on the activities that will create the growth quickest instead of chasing shiny, shiny objects, or you need to learn how to be a good boss for yourself, essentially. Mm -hmm. And don't get overwhelmed by all of that content on YouTube and Google. You should start here or start there. Just follow that process. And if you Go to episode three of my podcast, um, Happy Career Formula with Jet Stubbs. I walk through the five stages of entrepreneurship in more depth and the top three mistakes people make at each stage. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. Oh, wow. I'm definitely going to listen into that one. (laughs) (laughs) You make it sound so easy, but I can imagine it being so overwhelming at times as well. You know, when you're when you've got because everything's in your head, isn't it? And you're just thinking, Mm -hmm. how am I going to how am I going to get this out of my head to make it a a reality? But it is by the sounds of it, it is about taking baby steps, isn't it? And um, yeah, just taking action. And knowing that you're not on your you're not on your own and trying to find a good support system or people who are, who are good at doing what they do well that you can exactly. tap into. Yeah. That's exactly. the, that's the process, isn't it? It's just trying to find those people who can who are good at what what they do that complements what you want to do. 100%. You need to find people who know what you don't know, who can be yeah. your mentors, who can be your team so that you can get to where you want to go. Yeah, wonderful. And it's uh, just going back to, I'm just thinking about our younger listeners who haven't quite, um, maybe they're just finishing high school or they're going before they're going into university. What should their minds, mind um, set be? Should, I mean, should they be getting coaches at this stage? Because, you know, coaches, is coach, having a coach is a great thing. Um, but obviously they come at obviously a monetary uh, a price. What should they be doing um, to set them up, you know, to, to set them up on, on for success? So there, there are two paths. Um, if they're going to university or college or pursuing any sort of post-secondary education, the biggest thing that I'd recommend is not just to pursue an education, spend your entire education looking for problems that you like solving. So when you're in courses, um, think about which subjects you like and which subjects you dislike, and then pursue those things you like with greater detail. Look for jobs that are exist in those fields and then build out your education, build out your experience so that by the time you graduated, you have more and more of those things listed on those job descriptions. Wonderful. Right. So find that find the problems that you like solving, find jobs early on, even from your first or second or third year. Um, look for those jobs that you were interested in doing when you graduate and then spend your summer or spend your volunteer time, spend your free time building out experience so that you meet the requirements for those jobs by the time you graduate. So when you graduate, you're just 
checking off a checklist of things that you already know that you are interested in and you know there are jobs out there that meet that. The only caveat I would say to that is when you when you find those jobs, go and type in that job title and then type in the word job trends plus your location. So if you're interested in being a marketing assistant saying social media marketing job trends UK or London and find out what the job trends are in your region if you're country or your government offers any statistics on the job growth mm. or the job decline in that field, because you don't want to build out your entire career to do something in a declining field. So yes. make sure there's growth yeah. in that field and there are more jobs available than job seekers. So you can create career growth for yourself. Brilliant. Wow. I've just learned something new here. <laughs> That's such a powerful thing to do, isn't it? And such a it simple is. thing to do. So it's just like, if you don't know, you know, it's just, again, it's one of those things It's seeking advice, you know, trying to make things a bit easier for yourself. You know, it really is. Because like you said earlier on that you helped when you were um, in the corporate field or when you were working in university, you were coaching anyway, unintentionally, and you were helping, you were helping people to, you know, get salary, you know, rises and stuff like that. So what sort of things were you tweaking on their resumes to get a salary in increase? Just, just out of interest. Really, it was a mindset shift, like I mentioned earlier, from that yeah. hard work plus education plus experience equals success. So the resume would be a history of tasks that they've completed in the past. And they'd, they'd be going out to employers and basically saying, this is what I've done in the past. Um, I'd like you to pay me tell me what to do. Uh -huh. right? And I shifted it so that they focused on a few key problems that they like solving. And then we created tailored resumes right, that right, right. basically said, this is the problem that you solve. So their cover letter was saying, I understand that you want help with solving this unique problem. Their resume was then a history of solving similar problems or building out the skills, qualifications, and experience to show that they can solve that problem. Their cover letter would incorporate a checklist mm -hmm. um, that matched the job description that said, okay, these are the top five things that you said you wanted in this job description. Here is where I've done these these top five things, plus the results that I've delivered in the past. So I have a track yeah. record of delivering these results. And I'm very excited to continue delivering these kinds of results with your organization to solve yeah. your specific problem. So it was a very big shift from this is what I've done in the past. Tell me what to do to mm. I understand the problem that you solve. Here's my history of solving similar problems or my yeah. history of building out skills, qualifications and experience. So you should be able to trust me to solve this problem. Yeah, that is definitely the way forward, isn't it? I'm, I'm from the school of um, history and telling me what to do. And that has so changed now just from talking to you, isn't it? It's very much yes. about tailoring your skills and knowing how how you can solve a company's problem. And I guess that's what they want, isn't it? They want to they want to know where their money's going and where and what you what you can do for them, you know, as opposed to them telling you what to do. Exactly. 100%. Yeah. That is the yeah. shift that is happening. Um, and it helps exponentially with salary growth and with income growth. Mm. So many of the clients that I've worked with have within a year or two years been able to create like 50% salary increases or like anywhere from 30 all the way up to hundred percent salary increases because their first job is a, is a jump in their salary. Then their second job is another like 20% jump in their salary. Mm -hmm. So within a very short period of time, they're able, they're able to take the lessons that I teach them yes. and just apply them over and over again to yeah. create more and more career growth because they start getting into organizations and then listening. Oh, I'm solving this smaller problem for you mm. right now, but you have this bigger, more valuable problem that you're interested in solving. I'm going to go start building out my experience. Plus, I'm going to ask you if you're willing to give me the opportunity to start solving this problem. That means the next time that job opportunity comes around that is paying more, that is based on solving that problem, that hiring manager trusts you already because you've already shown your interest in that field. And you've also went and built out the extra, extra education or qualifications that you know that they're looking for yes. so they're willing to just throw you into that role and give you that increase opportunity plus you're you're thinking instead of waiting for the hiring manager to tell you what to do mm -hmm. you are now sitting beside them and saying tell me about your problem let's solve this together mm -hmm. collaboratively 
Yeah, it's being proactive, isn't it? It really yes. is. Yeah, having your ear to the ground and being proactive. And as an employer, you know, you want that, don't you? You you don't want to be spoon feeding your employees. You want them to be, you know, you know, being in partnership with you, showing you what they what you can do for that com- for, for their company. Yes, absolutely. That's exactly what we want to experience. Oh, I love this. I love this. So we could go on. I'm just sorry. I'm just <laughs> of your time sorry I tend to do this um okay okay. let me let me hone this in a little bit um so personal development is important here isn't it because that's where that's helped you to be who you are and where you and where you yeah who you are and how how great you're doing now in terms of your business do you want to share anything in in, in that regard when it comes to personal development to our listeners that investing in yourself is very is key isn't it Yeah, so there are a few things. One is, as I mentioned earlier, don't just pursue an education and experience, look for problems that you enjoy solving, and then build out your skills, qualifications and experience to solve those problems. Before you do that, though, make sure that those problems are problems that are trending upward, and that will continue to be in demand, right? Um, The second thing is understand that the principles for finding what you love to do and selling yourself are the same, whether you want a job, freelance service or a business. So that process of figuring out what you want your life to look like, which which is what you desire out of life, then part number two is figuring out what market demand is. So what are problems that employers or clients care about that they are willing to pay for? Because a lot of people will get in this trap where maybe if they're social entrepreneurs, they want to do social good. And there are problems that need to be solved in the world, but people aren't actively and readily willing to pay for them um, because they're more in the like charity spectrum or things like that. So you'd need to then have a funding source and restructure your goals differently around that. The third piece is knowing your skills. So what do you like doing? What do you dislike doing? Um, and then building out a, a career, whether that's a job, freelance service or business that incorporates more of the things you love. So even if you're working 40 hours a week, you're happy with what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And basically your happy career, if that was a Venn diagram of your desire, um, the demands of the world, and then your skills, your happy career is in the middle of those three things. Yeah. And the third thing that I'd recommend is you can have all the skills in the world, but if you can't learn, if you don't know how to sell yourself effectively, you won't mm. go anywhere quickly. You really need to know how to solve problems that clients or companies care about. Mm. Um, and selling yourself is a separately learned skill. I've seen so many people graduate and then they have trouble landing a job. And so they're in their minds because they're taught education plus experience equals opportunity. They're like, okay, I'm not educated enough. I'm going to go and spend another 10, 20, 30, 40, even up to a hundred thousand dollars on MBA because that MBA is what's going to get somebody to give me access to an opportunity Mm. instead of really understanding that they need to spend the money to learn how to sell themselves effectively, whether that's reading books or that's going and listening to YouTube videos and pulling the different pieces of different lessons together but they need to learn how to sell themselves effectively to solve problems and listen to employers and switch that conversation from saying this is what I've done in the past tell me what to do to saying I can collaboratively solve this problem with you tell me what you're going through and this these are the building blocks that I will bring to the table to help you get to where you want to go wonderful wow 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 such powerful advice god I wish you were in my life when I was uh... (laughs) I was at school <laughs> but you know <laughs> you're never too young to learn you know and I'm, I'm picking up some real nuggets of um, information here which is fantastic Jet, just a few more questions my love um can you recommend any useful resources or audio books that our listeners can tap into because you, obviously you you, you've, you um, do a podcast don't you and it's called the happy career formula so that's one thing is there anything else that you can share with us um for audiobooks for career development, if you are job searching, one of the gold standards right now is What Color Is Your pa- Parachute by Richard Bowles. Okay. Um, that's a, a great book on job searching and the shifts that you can make in job searching. Um, there is actually another book. It's interesting that you say that because I literally just made a list about this yesterday. Um, so there's a book called Designing Your Life 
I'm trying to remember who wrote that book. I'm not seeing it here. Well, I was going to uh, say, Jay, you know what you can do? You can um, email me and I can put it in the description box for our listeners. So don't sure, worry. Sure, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, yes. Yeah. Okay, that'd be great. Well, I, can I think that'd be easier for you. Yes. Brilliant. Um, a few more questions. Your proudest moment. I'm sure you've got a few here. What is your, what's your proudest moment? <laughs> um, for me, I think the two, well, the number one most important thing in life is, are the relationships that you've, you have around you. So I think if you have a good relationship with yourself and a good relationship with other people, um, you can have a happy life, especially if you have the financial resources to access opportunities. So the proudest moments that I have in my life are the times where I've chosen to take that jump to pursue healthy relationships. So whether that was moving countries to spend my dad's last year with him um, or uh, making important decisions to build relationships with family or friends, um, I think those moments are the biggest moments for me rather than any moment where I've achieved financial success. Cause even that financial success is based on a relationship where I've explained how I could help somebody. So yeah, yeah it's Wonderful. not one, sorry. That's not one particular moment, but oh, yeah. Oh, that's beautiful. Oh, it's beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. What, what is the biggest lesson life has taught you? Um, for, I thought you had to separate your personal and professional. I thought you had to be one person in the workplace and then somebody else outside of it. And the biggest lesson that I've learned and thankfully mm -hmm. fairly early on in life is that I can be who I am without stripping off parts of my identity wherever I am. If I am authentic and honest and focused on serving first and helping people, but also recognizing my own worth and value and knowing what I should be receiving in return. Because if you apply that to your romantic relationships, to your friendships and to your career, you're in a place where you're living a very healthy and holistic life. Wow. Wow. That's such a powerful, <laughs> and I know I couldn't agree with you more, but you've said it's so beautifully, you know, and it's, it is very much about, giving back giving adding value to to others you know and that that fulfills you that just gives you fulfillment doesn't it and that's and it's priceless. it's priceless you can't put a price on that absolutely wonderful what three i know you've given us so many tips you've given our listeners so many tips but i'm going to ask you this question any, anyway just in case you think of anything else what three tips or pieces of advice would you give a teenager or young adult um Outside of the ones I gave before, I gave before. I think I yeah. would say um, networking. So I can give advice around networking. Net networking is essential because, as I mentioned, everything is about relationships. When you're solving problems for somebody, you're actually, or you're getting a job, a freelance service, starting a business, you're basically saying, "Hey, trust me to solve this problem for you." And often, as I was, I'm very introverted, so when I started even though i was moving to a new country by myself i was super quiet and to this day some of my friends parents if they're introducing me to somebody they just give them a heads up that i may not talk a lot and then i tell the person oh i've grown it's been 10 years it's i'm better at this now <laughs> <laughs> what they said was true back yeah. then um so i think realizing that even your most favorite idol the person who intimidates you the most because you look up to them the most that person is somebody who started out as a child and went on the same journey in life that you are going through. Yeah. They are just somebody that's a few steps ahead of you. And as much as possible, what you want to do is open yourself to asking questions. And initially, yeah, you may ask some questions that may be obvious, like do your research on your end as much as possible first, but ask questions of people because that intuitive nature will give people, um, the opportunity to notice you and it gives you the chance to build relationships and gain knowledge reading books um, developing mentorship all of that is learning from people who have tried to live life before us mm -hmm. and it's a really important tool that you can use to expand your tool set because everything that you're scared of everything that you haven't done everything that you wish you could do people have been out there and tried to do that before you so take the opportunity to learn from them whenever possible <sighs> Brilliant. Wow. 
Wow, 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 wow. That's brilliant. Fantastic advice. And the last, the, my last question, what is the most important message you'd like to leave with us today? Apart from all the others that you've, you know, <laughs> you've shared with us. I feel us. like you're stretching me here. You're Come on. <laughs> you can repeat yourself. I just like ending, ending the show with this question. <laughs> um, if I had to repeat myself, it would be absolutely the relationship with yourself, you can be authentic to who you are and uh-huh. build your career in a way that aligns with who you are, regardless of your background, regardless of your situation, regardless of your obstacles in life. Yeah. You can have an authentic career where you are excelling and you don't need to limit yourself to your past or even the experiences of people around you. Brilliant. Wonderful. Thank you so much, Jet. What a great interview. Wow. Well, 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 such a powerful interview. You know, I've learned so much, so much. I've managed to get lots of nuggets of of advice um, here. So I really appreciate you, appreciate your knowledge, appreciate your love. And uh, yeah, I thank you for that. And I'm going to get you back on, you know. Thank you, Carol. I really appreciate it. This was amazing. Like your, your questions, the way you ask questions, it's, it's absolutely amazing. And I, I'm loving what you're doing with the podcast. I think it's such an amazing message to be putting out there. So I'm happy, I'd happy, be happy to be back. Oh, that means a lot to me. Thank you so much. And just keep shining your beautiful light onto everyone, you know, and start, you know, you know, I'm sure you're doing it anyway, but I, I hope you make more of an impact. You know, I really do. And I wish you well with, uh, with your business. You know, I might have to tap in, tap into you so you can coach me as well. <laughs> <laughs> Anytime. No problem. <laughs> Brilliant. Uh, Listeners, I hope you got as much uh, value out of this conversation as much as I did. Um, Jet, um, how can our listeners connect with you? I know I mentioned your podcast. Are there any other platforms they can they can connect you connect with you? Yeah, so there is the podcast Happy Career Formula with Jet Stubbs. Um, If you also go on my website, jetstubbs.com, so that's J-E-T-T-E-S-T-U-B-B-S.com. I have a quiz there that walks through the top 15 progress killers that I find when people are building out their career, whether that's a job, freelance service or business. Mm-hmm. And you can learn about which of these progress killers you are making um, so that you can build a career that's more aligned with who you are and discover what type of professional you are um, to build something that works for you and your situation. Wonderful. There you go, listeners. If you want to connect with Jet, you've got all of her details there. And remember to check out my link in my bio. You know, it has all my social media links there and visit my website, oyana.co.uk. And um, yeah, if you're looking for a mentor or transformational coach, I'm your girl. So email me, all right? And uh, I'll be more than happy to support you. So until next week, thank you for tuning in. As always, keep learning, live fearlessly, practice gratitude and love unconditionally. This is Carol Oakley. Peace and love to you all. Bye.